0: Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. On today's episode, I talk openly to Tina Hawley about transitioning, transsexualism, and living your truth. Tina transitioned in a time when nobody talked about it, and gives us her insight into her experience with honesty and compassion. I've got my guest, Tina, today, who was referred to me by a colleague of mine, Tina. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Pleasure to be here, Danielle. Thank you. So the conversation
0: we're going to be talking about today is about transition and transgender. So having you on today is fantastic for us. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, And I know that there will be a lot of people out there listening today that want to have these conversations or want to find out a little bit more, might be scared about broaching the subject, might be worried about what to say, what not to say, et cetera, um, in terms of the new kind of acceptability that we have around the subject matter. So first things first, just tell me a little bit about you and a bit about your life and kind of what brings you on on my show today.
1: Okay, um, I'm 50 years old. Um, I grew up in the Northwest of England um very traditional family um mother father one brother and a dog um and it wasn't probably a very sheltered childhood really I didn't um have you know I didn't have any exposure I suppose to anything other than the sort of 2.4 children Sunday lunch you know (laughs) traditional two parents and two children model really so Mm -hmm. it's you know, I'm jumping ahead here, but sometimes you, you, you hear people say, oh, people are only trans because they've been influenced at a young age. And, and mm-hmm. I can honestly say that definitely wasn't the case. And all of my sense of being trans came from within, with absolutely zero external input. Mm-hmm. And when my parents first found out when I was 15, They were utterly horrified. They didn't know, they just didn't know what it meant, what to do. I don't think they'd even heard the words transsexual and trans, they they just didn't know what it meant. Um, So, I mean, I've I've very quickly fast-forwarded to being a teenager here. When I hit puberty, it's when I found, I just found I didn't fit in. It wasn't that I did, there's, there's so much, it's very difficult really to know where to start because there is so much going on around it and how people these days are diagnosed as transgender. And I've heard stories that it depends on what toys you play with as a kid. And, you know, when I was a kid, I liked football. I liked playing with Lego. I liked building things. Um, I liked playing with my toy cars. I had absolutely no female, you know, stereotypically female hobbies. Mm. But I had a sense of, what. one thing I didn't get was the sense of, Robustness, boisterousness, aggression that went around, that that all of my male friends seemed to have in them. And I I was a very peaceful, I just wanted everyone to be nice to each other. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, I didn't fit in with other boys. And as I went through puberty, I felt as though, you know, my body was not doing what I wanted it to do because by that stage, I had a sense of feeling um, of how I wanted to look. And I, I knew it wasn't going to be like that. But it's still, I found it really hard because I, the way I was developing was just not the way I felt inside. I don't really know how how else to describe it. I suppose it's just an, an overwhelming sense throughout my life that I'd have been happier if I'd been born female. Mm. You know, an overwhelming sense of having been born the wrong sex. Mm. Um
0: it's fascinating you mentioned there, Tina about the fact that you know you didn't kind of play with any stereotypical female female toys you were you know play football You'd, but then if we flip that you know my daughter plays football she's she's plays yeah. it, she's into lego so this kind of box or these gender stereotypical things that we are supposed to be able to fit into and when we don't fit them then that self-confusion comes and also society finds that quite confusing mm. Have in your mind that you're supposed to fit into this box, right?
1: True, and it, but it worries me that I think that from what I understand is that when, when children today are being assessed for whether they are trans, that their hobbies are, are looked at, and I think well, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't, be, you know, because girls like football, boys like dolls and dressing up. It doesn't mean they're trans, and it worries me that people are being pushed too quickly down the trans route when actually they're just they've just got different hobbies and interests, you know, yeah. and um, the maybe. So, sorry I'm curious perhaps curious absolutely I mean I'm all for letting kids experiment with all sorts of different things and um, you know find find their own way but for me it was it wasn't really a sense of gender identity I, I, I wouldn't say I even felt like I was a little girl mm. I, I, I I use an old school term here that is quite, it's not really, you're not supposed to say this anymore, but I transsexual is how I identify myself because it was all about my body. Mm. Um, it was all about the sense that while ever I had the body I was born with, I was never going to achieve fulfillment in relationships, in life, and in, in, in such like. And that's, that was my route into being trans. And, and now I see there are so many different things that come under the trans umbrella. I am just one small part of that I suppose you could say one extreme part of that because I am what I suppose traditionally would have been referred to as transsexual mm-hmm. you know that that word has kind of become obsolete these days because it's all about being transgender and inclusivity and anyone that doesn't fit that sort of the, 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 the gender expectation is under the trans umbrella um So you're only going to get one sort of small sliver of the experience from me here. Absolutely. So I, once I'd been through puberty, I I left home, I moved to London partly to pursue my career, but also partly because I felt a place like London was much better for me than a small village in the Northwest of England where, you know, I, I thought I'd never be able to return because I didn't think there'd be anything there for me. Um, and it was a real eye opener going to London, and eventually I got referred to a gender clinic at the age of 26. Um, but back in those days, it was treated as a, as a psychiatric disorder, as a mental health mm. issue. So my, my first my first appointment was on the psychiatric ward of the Royal Free Hospital in London, and it was it it, it was scary. You know, I was 26. I was forging a career as an accountant. Um, I didn't feel mentally ill, I just felt as though I wanted a sex change operation so I could be happier. (laughs) You know and and I I was on this psychiatric ward and I I felt I I had this meeting and by by the time I got in to see the actual psychiatrist I was petrified. Mm. I thought my god what does this mean? Am I going to be sectioned? Am I going to be treated as a mental health patient? So I deliberately sabotaged the meeting and said all the things that would make the doctor give a diagnosis that I wasn't trans. And I left, heaving a huge sigh of relief, thinking, God, I've avoided, I've avoided uh, something there that I didn't want to go down. But of course, it never goes away. You know, I, I, I do believe if you are trans, you are trans, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. You can't you know, talk therapy, conversion therapy, whatever. I know, because I tried every trick under the sun to try and get the transness out of me, shall we say, and just become a regular heterosexual <laughs> member of society. Um, I did all the you know, I had girlfriends, I, had, I got married once, but I also tried, I had boyfriends as well. I, I, I experimented with men because I, I wanted to explore every possibility. Why do I feel wrong? And I, someday, somehow, I'm going to meet somebody that will make me feel right and will make me feel happy with the fact that I've got this man's body. And I'll be, so I, I did everything mm. and nothing worked. Nothing worked. I always, at the end of it, just felt thoroughly wrong, thoroughly unfulfilled, like, and eventually I came to the conclusion that I know there's only one way. There's only one thing that's going to make me feel happy and fulfilled. And that was, uh, I was finally 46 when I made the decision. Wow, Tina. <laughs> after a bit... after thir- 30 years and two or, th- well, I-, I went down the sort of referral re- route two or three times and every time I backed out, I suppose because deep inside, I mean this this might sound a bit strange, but I hate waste. I hate wasting anything. And the body that I was born with, I, I remember thinking I will do absolutely everything I can to make a success of living my life with with this body that I've been born with. And I did, I tried my best. And ultimately <laughs> I, Yeah. Well, I, I suppose, you know, what people say, well, why didn't you transition earlier? Well, it was a lot harder in the 1980s, nineteen nineties, you know. I started out life as an accountant in a big firm of accountants in the 1990s. Um, it, you know, you couldn't even come out as gay back then without risking losing your job. And, and for me, you know, on the, on the spectrum of things that people don't understand, yeah. you've got gay and then you've got other things and then right at the very extreme end is trans who the hell understands what it's like to be transsexual trans, you know and i thought i can't ever do this because nobody will understand it nobody will accept me everyone will reject me and that's why I, that's why i waited so long because i wanted to try every single thing possible to to not be trans until i realized there was nothing left to try and at the point i thought you know what If I want to get the most out of my life, I have to do this. For you, right? Yeah, and it's, um, now thankfully along the way, I mean I don't know any other trans people, I don't know any trans people in real life, I know a few um, Mm -hmm. online, but I, I don't have any trans friends, and that was another part of what made me so afraid, was thinking that I would have to completely start my life all over again, I think I have to give up all my friends and my life and my infrastructure and begin again in the trans community, whatever that is. I mean, you know, it's not the trans community is an extremely diverse thing that runs through all strands of society. But I just thought I don't want to just start all over again. I love all my friends. I love my family. I love everyone I know. I just want to keep that life I've got, except as Tina. Mm. (laughs) And, And I've managed it. I have managed it because I I think over the years I did tell people how I was feeling and there was a lot of sympathy because people could just see, well, I'm a nice person trying to do my best to, to get on in life. And so when I did transition, all my friends and my family and everybody was completely on board with it and I haven't lost anybody. And in fact, my life is much better now because I'm not completely, I'm not fighting and conflicting with myself all the time.
0: Yeah, and that's just amazing to hear. Seriously, I've got a massive grin on my face because it's just beautiful, man. I just, it, I feel—I suppose sympathy is the wrong word. I just feel really sad that there are people out there that are not living their life and not living their truth because of the feelings of other people's judgment. And that makes me really sad because that, that stops a lot of people from living their best life, regardless of how they choose to live, Right it's that expectation of other people about the life you choose to live in your shoes that's that's based upon other people's expectation I find that difficult and I find that that you were talking about waste you know it's a waste isn't it to not be able to live your your full potential because of the potential emotions and feelings of other people and Mm. I I suppose it's around because you've answered quite a few of my questions already but how did Do you remember the first kind of time you came out to your parents and like told them that's it, that's it, this is it, I'm I'm kind of done with this, with this trying, this is who I am?
1: Well, okay, so well, they first knew about it when I was 15 because I I sort of left clues lying around like (laughs) women's clothes and eventually got confronted about it and um, Dad sort of never spoke to me again about it, ever. because I think it was just too much for him to to, to sort of get his head around. Mum tried to, but she, she was saying... I think she tried to get me to engage with it, but at the age of 15, once it became real, it became incredibly scary, and I kind of clammed up and refused to talk about it. And then we had this war of attrition where she'd say, well, I bet you look ridiculous. And, and I know she wasn't doing it to hurt me. I think she was trying to do it to, to try to, you know, change my mindset, you know. It, it was... Anyway, That that's going back. But, I mean... My father passed away 11 years ago, um, so he never got to know where my journey was going to end. Um, I mean, I always got on very well with him. We had this little strange little period when I was 15 that never got spoken about again. But um, he didn't know the extent to which when I'd moved to London, I was, you know, exploring, exploring Mm -hmm. my life and myself. Uh, Mum, by the time I did say this is it, I think she she already, I think over the years she'd realised, she'd seen the, the, the things I'd done in my life, all the relationships that had failed and occasionally I'd talk to her about how I felt and I think by the time I got there she knew, she kind of knew it was coming and she's been fine, she's been fine with it.
0: And seeing you I suppose a lot happier in your mm. life now, and yeah. Also, I'm a parent, I have two children and I I'm not in the least bit concerned about any journey decision that they make you know as long mm-hmm. as it's born from a position of doing well you know being well doing your best living your journey you know that's and i think that young people today might have that as a uh, leftover if you like of kind of the journey that we came up with and we're a lot more open now and a lot more diverse and a lot more understanding and those conversations for some people now are a lot easier um, yeah. And so my children are, regardless of which decision they make, that conversation is now out there. You know, my daughter talks yeah. to me about, you know, non-binary and, you know, she talks to me about uh, the LGBTQ plus A community and ha- her knowledge of that and my son's knowledge and the way they're so blasé about it now. It's totally acceptable um, to have yeah. these conversations in society at their age. And that's why I have a lot of hope now. Yeah, um, yeah. In our youth that they're able to kind of come up and stop these kind of things from being a barrier for people to live their best life you know so yeah,
1: yeah. I have got a number of friends who in recent years have that they've they've told me that either their children have come out as, as trans or non-binary or they've got friends at school who have so yes it's very much out there now. and I just think god as a school kid th- these conversations because um, I mean, what I told one of my when I kept, when I told one of my oldest friends what, what I was doing, and he, he said, "God, have you kept it a secret for so long?" He said, "Why didn't you tell us when you were a kid?" And I just started laughing because i think thinking what we used to do in the school playground—we'd we, be playing football with all these thugs—and and, and I think, <laughs> you can just imagine that. Oh yeah, oh lads, I've just got something to tell you. And you know, it, I said, why, "Why do you think I didn't tell anybody?" And I've got the shit kicked out of me, you know what I mean?
0: But they recognise that, right? They
1: recognise that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 they do, they do. And hindsight,
0: Yeah, Yeah. hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh
1: yeah, it would have been fine, of course you wouldn't have.
0: But (laughs) yeah, you got there in the end, right? You're listening to It Is What It Is, the podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. But for now, let's get back to that conversation. After now getting to a position of living your truth, what would you say to your younger self, Tina?
1: Oh, God. Well, I don't know. You know, this is a tough one because I think... I, I w- If I didn't think I could look okay as a woman, I don't think I'd have transitioned because to me it's important to be able to pass. I feel quite lucky that I've got relatively delicate features I've got a small frame I haven't got big hands I haven't got big feet and the ph- physiological reason behind that is I always have very low testosterone anyway naturally mm-hmm. which is probably possibly one of the reasons why I always felt tra- I don't know whether that's why I felt trans but so I but I, I have as I've got older I have had to put more right I spent a hell of a lot of money since I transitioned on surgeries, facial surgeries, hair restoration surgeries, laser and electrolysis, hair removal treatments. In fact, I've got one later today. Um, Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of quid and a lot of pain. Mm. And if I would transitioned when I was younger, there'd have been a lot less of this to go through because obviously, I mean, I was a very delicate looking, almost elven looking 23 year old. And if I'd transitioned at 23, I wouldn't have needed very much work at all. Um, so I guess I wish I had transitioned earlier, but then on the other hand, I think, was I mentally, emotionally ready to do so? I'm not sure I was. You know, you have to be very strong if you want to transition and survive and be happy, because you will come across things that you don't like, especially, I mean, one of the worst things I did was discover Twitter. And there's some horrendous stuff on Twitter. Yes. Um Parents of trans kids get ripped apart on Twitter because they're referred to as child abusers. You know, children Gosh. should children should not be transitioned. It's it's child abuse. It, you know, anyone who is affirming transitioning in any part they're getting ripped apart on that in sections of Twitter, and it's horrendous. Mm. So you do you do have to be in a mentally strong strong place with good people around you if you want to make a success of it. Yeah. It's very easy. It would be very easy to get disheartened. Now I'm lucky, I walk through a town centre or go to a restaurant or into a pub or down the street and nobody bats an eyelid. Um, But that's because I'm five foot six and I I just blend in and that's all I ever wanted. I don't want to make waves. I don't want any to be seen as special. I just want to be, oh, that's Tina who lives next door. You know, if it's tough, I, I think it's really tough for, I suppose, Talking from the perspective of trans women, so for trans women whose puberty took them to being six foot three and very wide shoulders and very square jaws, it must be a much more difficult journey. Um, so I suppose what would I say going back to the question you asked? I know I've deviated quite oh, no, a lot. we love deviation, <laughs> <laughs> what I say to myself when I was younger is, I, 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 I don't think I'd change very much. I've just been I've, I've been lucky to be able to afford the treatments that got me to where I am today and I'm happy today. But it is tough. It's been a tough life. I've had lots and lots of heartbreak and failed relationships and other things that have gone wrong in my life as a result of trying to deny the feeling of transness that I, I've just thrown money at to buy myself experiences that hid how I was feeling inside. Always the last one at the party, always the one slightly the most drunk always the one trying to make everybody else laugh. You know, that was my coping mechanism because I didn't want to go home and confront how I felt inside when I went to bed on my own at the end of the day. Yeah, it's so I, In that respect, yes, in that respect, would I transition earlier? Yes. But thinking to how, I guess, immature I was when I wanted to, it might have been a bad move. So it's really difficult to know it's really difficult to know if I could go back to being 23 would I and I don't know the answer
0: Mm. and it's interesting because it's that question is I suppose you know what would you tell your younger self now if you were 23 and you've got the hindsight now you are your Tina now what could you tell your 23 year old Tina you know would it be you've got this you know hold on it'll happen when it's supposed to happen
1: you know (coughs) (laughs) oh I don't know um Uh, Yes, I think that, I'd probably say, you'll be okay. Yeah. I'd say, you'll be okay, you'll make mistakes, but you'll be okay. Mm. Um, And the way you feel inside is going to be a lot more accepted in 25 years' time than it is today.
0: Mm -hmm. Hold on, right?
1: That's probably what I'd say. Yeah. But then I'd I'd also say, don't get a Twitter account. (laughs) Because that... (laughs) That is the capacity yeah. to really ruin your day if somebody says the wrong thing. Do you know <laughs> what,
0: Twitter, seriously, we have conversations on this podcast and it comes around to, to um, social media. And I'm, I've am i had a few conversations around social media and I really have a love-hate relationship with it. Hmm. as I think some people do. And it's not necessarily the tool, it's the user and the people that use that tool in terms of communication methods. But we, we can't deny that there are, pockets of society that are they're the abusers they're the ones that go online they're the ones that bully people based upon absolutely no experiences of their own and they are a very sad minority of society that I am really genuinely concerned about you know doing the work well, I do I, I look at these people and I'm like what's happened to you what, what's yeah. going on in your life that's made you to, made you feel that you can act out like that, and you know I've got a saying in our in our space that you know hurt people hurt people.
1: Yes, you know, yes, I think I think you're right,
0: yeah. Hurt people and healed people, heal people, right? So yes, you know, if you, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: You are hurting, then you put that out on someone else because it's a way of getting rid of it, not doing the work, not looking inwards, and then they target people, and I feel extremely sorry for them. It doesn't excuse their behaviour. But you know, you're brave. I don't go on Twitter at all. <laughs> uh, we've got a Twitter account, you know, and I'll go on there every now and again and kind of post something and then I'll run. I'll post and run, Tina. That's what I do, post and run.
1: Well, I'd say it might surprise you why I got on Twitter. I've actually made myself quite unpopular with a lot of trans people because I, I went on Twitter because I first discovered, it was after I'd transitioned and I first, I, I got interested because I'm a big fan of sports. I like men's sport. I like women's sport. And when I found out about trans women entering women's sport, I got curious, thinking my innate sense, my inner sense, was this this isn't right. Because I know that I'm more powerful than... Because I, I'm in a running club. I'm a runner. And I used to be a very average, mediocre, but below average male runner. But if I'd entered the female races, um, I would have won them. Or come second or third. I know it's only it's only at amateur level. You know it's not even amateur. It's just recreational sport. Even things like parkrun. run. But I remember thinking, if I now enter this as female, I'll be placed in the top three, and somebody who would have been in the top three will now be fourth. And 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 after taking hormones and stuff, yes, you lose some strength. You lose a little. You lose some um, attributes, but not all of them, you know, the, the reduction is not total, you do still retain some, so I went on Twitter to sort of, assuming that the that this group of people that supported trans women in, in women's sport would be a minority, but actually there's a massive support for it, mm. and I, I started saying things like, well, how, how, how can this be right, it just doesn't feel right, you know, to take an extreme example, if Usain Bolt transition should he should he be doing the 100 meters against other women and you know and, and but it's made me quite unpopular and I got blocked by a lot of trans people <laughs> um, and off, but off the, but the, the trouble is off the back of it I then got a lot of followers who are gender critical mm. and at first I thought oh you know the, these must be the reasonable people who can see both sides of a debate but actually there's a lot of nastiness on that side as well yeah. and a lot of just genuinely people who hate trans people simply for being. You know, the things that they say are just disgusting. So I think, well, these people don't represent me either. And I'm kind of caught in a limbo of thinking, I just feel like I'm a, a moderate voice who, just because I'm trans, well, let me how do I put this? If, if, if you're trans, there are one or two sacrifices you have to make to, for your happiness, as in most walks of life, you know, you, you can't have everything and I suppose if you've been raised as a white male you're used to getting what you want and you don't realize it and then if suddenly someone's saying well you can't have that anymore you might want to kick off about it So, well I want it because I've always had it well tough you know being trans isn't a choice if you're trans you're trans it's tough mm. I wish I hadn't been honestly I, I, if I could take a pill when I was a teenager to get rid of it I would have done but I'm happy where I am but I do accept that there are certain things about trans rights that impinge on women's rights and I get that and I think there needs to be an element of okay we can get married, we have got protection in law, we've got protection in employment rights, we've got protections everywhere but there are one or two things we might just have to compromise on here mm. and I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah and
1: do you know what? It's, in,
0: it's interesting Tina because ultimately conversations and opinions are absolutely fine and if somebody has an opinion that you don't agree with then Mm. that's also fine and as adults we go okay fair enough we'll have to agree I feel something different but we don't have that narrative on social media. If, you're, if your opinion differs from mine, then I'm now going to hunt you down, I'm going to make it my life's mission to make your life miserable and put my point across. And yeah. that's where we have an issue with social media. We don't have this narrative anymore, where you're allowed to have a different opinion to me. We are allowed to have different opinions. And we're still allowed to get on with that. Do you know what I mean? We'll just go, in fact, if it gets a little bit heated, we'll go, do you know what, maybe we'll stop it now, because it doesn't look like we're going to agree at the moment. But let's move on. What did you get up to last night? You know, or yeah. some along
1: those lines but we don't it seems to be extremes at the moment everything exactly absolutely right and that's that's the worst thing about Twitter you can't find common ground because someone will always have a pile on you for it
0: yeah
1: yeah absolutely. My, my Twitter world and my real world couldn't be more different in the real world I get on with everyone I know. Yeah, In Twitter world, I seem to piss everybody off. Yeah, but you know what? (laughs) I think everybody will experience
0: that because, I mean, like I said, I have conversations about social media to everybody that I speak to, and a lot of people that do not find themselves in those positions, myself included, and I will put myself in this category, Hmm. are the ones that keep quiet. (laughs) Because i just do not put my opinion out there because I know that my opinion is mine and I know that I'm going to have four or five hundred people that are going to, you know, like you said, pile on it in a negative Mm. format. And I personally don't want to be in that space. So I just don't put myself out there for it. No,
1: it it, it destroys you. It it wrecks your day. You can go to bed feeling thoroughly miserable. (laughs) You've been been hated on by five hundred people who will never meet you and don't know who you are. And it's like, what is the point? So, So you're right. Recently, I've stopped commenting. On trans issues, and it really, I only tweet about ABBA now because <laughs> <laughs> ABBA makes me feel good and ABBA makes me feel happy, and that's kind of it. And I still Please don't up. tell me you've got people
0: um piling on because of your love of ABBA. Please don't tell no, me. No, that. I don't, no, no, oh,
1: I'm fairly well, yeah, but no, I mean, I don't really get any traction with any of my posts now because I think I'm not. I don't want that attention I just, I, just I, I went on Twitter for sort of good reasons for positive reasons to try and be a balanced voice in a debate and it just rips you apart and it's like there's no point there is no point in trying to be on Twitter and come out of it with a good state of mental health absolutely you, you can't you, you can't be done so. And
0: anything that makes you feel that way especially those things that you can bypass yourself then by all means do so it's interesting actually because I'm not on Instagram at the moment I came off of Instagram and I say oh. come off you know it sounds really bad it sounds like we're all drug takers you know so i come off of I've, I've come off of Instagram and I'm not using Twitter anymore you know the language we have around social media is quite interesting um and I don't go on it because of the fact that when I was looking at at it. Some of the stuff that I was in, you know, kind of ingesting, if you like, or consuming was really, really heavy stuff about the state of the world. And I'm quite a sensitive soul, you know, having that stuff on my shoulders on a day-to-day basis was really impacting me. So I decided just to stop doing it. And Mm. it's, my husband's been saying to me, so how are you finding it? And I'm not actually, it's not too bad. I'm reading a magazine or I'm taking the dogs for a walk or I'm communicating with my children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rather than being on Instagram, you know. So mm. it's quite nice out there without without the use of social media for, for some people.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I, my social media is quite selective. Like Facebook is my my happy place because on Facebook, I'm only connected with friends who I know in real life. So everything on Facebook is good. I think it's a great platform to be on. Yeah. Um, Instagram, I'm on it, but I don't really see the point of it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and t- Twitter is like, is, is hell yeah. and um yeah and it, it's yeah but facebook i think for me i've made it into a positive space because it's only people who i know and who i like that i'm connected to so and
0: yeah. there you go you know that is kind of the crux of it isn't it it's about going and using something that makes you feel happy that makes you feel connected that makes you feel accepted yeah. and getting your best version of your life on that social platform fantastic work thank you so much Ah, Tina it's been a pleasure speaking to you today oh Um, you too as well I'm really happy that you've kind of spoken to me and told me a little bit about your journey because I think it is important to have conversations with as many people as we can to kind of normalize Mm -hmm. our all of our experiences right because it's only Mm -hmm. by getting another perspective of a life that perhaps you don't live is Mm. the only way that we're going to educate ourselves and and grow empathy and for me that's what I want to work on is building an empathetic society where we have interest and dialogue but ultimately that human kindness piece around everybody's lived experience so thank you so much
1: pleasure thank you very much you've been listening to the it is what it is podcast presented by Danielle Bridge and produced by Defresh Productions